Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 1957. The album, A Child's Garden of Freeburg. The artist, of course, Stan Freeburg. And my... Freeburg? I need to learn to speak. <laughs> Stan Freeburg. And my guest, and I hope I get your name right, is Grant Pachoco. Grant Perfect. Good. That was amazing. Yay. I'm All impressed. right. So... You asked to be on the show, which, by the I way, did. thank you for doing that. Because oh, my pleasure. I, you, you pick something great, and I can tell, again, by reading your website, that both of our favorite movies are Shaun of the Dead. So that's yeah. that's a good thing. That's a good sign, yes. you know, for a good guest. But I'm curious, as a voiceover guy, as a puppet guy, you do all kinds of acting work that involves your voice. What's Why Stan Freeberg? When did you first hear him? You know, um, <clears throat> If I'm if I'm really gonna trace it back, I'd have to start with Weird Al, yeah. Because uh, I I had the first two Weird Al albums as a kid, and I noticed that he thanked somebody named Doctor Demento. Yeah. And then uh, I did a little investigating in my young age. Who's Doctor Demento? Found out he was on Sunday nights in San Francisco, so started listening to him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't remember the year. I've looked it up once, but uh, there was a Fourth of July weekend where Doctor Demento played. A man can't be too careful what he signs these days uh -huh. from Stan Freeberg's History of the United States of America. Yeah. And like at that time it was like the greatest thing I'd ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. I was like, what is this? And back then my parents were so great. My parents, uh, my dad, uh, mostly my dad, but mo my mom as well, would record Dr. Demento for me because awesome. I was not allowed to stay up okay, uh, sure, that, sure. that late. Um, although with my Walkman I did a couple times. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I I, they recorded it, and I would just listen to that over and over again. Mm -hmm. And these were kind of, I mean, you know, it was uh, very early 80s, so it's not like it is today where you can just easily find out what something yeah. is, is from and yeah. what like that. So I would just kind of hear bits and pieces of Stan Freeberg, but I always absolutely loved it. And his United States I'm a huge fan of, but then it was in college I found a CD. They The Capitol released a, a CD of the collector series. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. Um, which has had like a bunch of his hits and everything on it, mm -hmm. and um, so I, I just fell in love with that, and and you know, and then and then in in college, I had a record player. I had my mom and dad's old record player, and I was like, I'm gonna find this record. Awesome. Uh, and uh, so, uh, history of the United States that is, and I just searched all over the place, and I finally found it. So mm -hmm. um, anyway, but he's just been. He, you know, from the first time I heard him, because it really was, I, I'm a fan of old time radio type mm -hmm. stuff, and it really is, you know, painting pictures in your head. Yeah. Of, and, I, and I just loved, I loved uh, with the histories thing uh, specifically, is they're making fun of history. It's not right. making fun of it, but it's like sure, comedy but... angle on, so it made it not boring. And exactly. then it made it more interesting to me. It's like, yeah, these were real people. This could have happened. Right, right. So anyway. Uh, to answer your question in a lo very long way, <laughs> uh, Dr. Demento was the very first place I heard him mm -hmm. and um, just been a huge fan ever since. That's awesome. I, well, that's the thing, too, is like I feel like uh, Stan Freeberg is a guy I didn't avoid actively, but I sort of figured he'd come up on the podcast. But it took a long time before I like actually delved in. And that album, The History of the United States, one is the first thing I really yeah. listened to much. And it was before he passed away. I kept trying to get him on the show because of that album. And I'm like, oh, I really missed out, missed out well really missed out because you know you yeah you, you can't control what you get into and when you get into it but like right, right. i the one thing that i feel like is is kind of lost because like he's considered one of weird out weird out considers him one of his greatest influences mm -hmm. is you can make the mistake of calling him kind of like a music parodist but every one of these is a sketch yeah that's the great thing about it it's not yeah. just a straight song parody yeah there's a couple um yeah you're right you're right yeah and and that's uh uh, when I was looking over the, the track list for this, there was a couple of these that Jim Henson used in his early days on um, uh, Salmon Friends. Oh, really? Where he just, and one of them actually survives. You can look it up on YouTube. It's uh, the Ceci Bone uh, sketch. Oh, my God. But it's. Yes, that's it's where I heard Jim that. Jim Henson, yeah, lip syncing Holy to crap. those. And um, I guess there's a, there's. I'm probably not telling this 100% correctly, but uh, Jim would just use. Uh, Bob and Ray records uh -huh. and uh, Stan Freeberg <laughs> records, and then just lip sync with the puppets back so then. Good. And Stan Freeberg wrote him a letter and was like, "Hey, you're using my." Or I guess he showed up at the studio maybe <laughs> and was like, "You're using." And then Stan was a little bit mad because yeah. he was like, "You're using my stuff. You didn't mm -hmm. ask me." But then when he met Jim and he saw what they were doing, he loved them. And um, the the Henson Company archivist even 
forwarded me a, a picture of it, but it's he sent a telegram to Jim just saying, mm-hmm. I love you guys. What you're doing is amazing. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it is, you know, it's, it's good enough where, you know, Jim added puppets to it. You That's know? so perfect. Yeah. So not only, I mean, I feel like there's a couple here that I want to talk about specifically where it feels like Stan Freeberg may have invented the mashup. So that means Jim Henson then invented the lip dub. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, cause like who else, why else would anybody have done that at the time? Right. You know, that's sure, amazing. Sure. Well, and I always think uh, one of my theories is Jim Henson with um, salmon friends, which mm-hmm. was five minutes before the news. Mm-hmm. It was basically viral videos. It yeah. was web videos at the time, but right. way back in 19, you know, 65. So funny. God. 55, 65, 65? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, 55. Oh my God. Wait, so which was, I, I, it's been so long since I've studied it. Was it that, then Kukla, Fran, and Ollie, or was it the other way around? No, Kukla, Fran, and Ollie, for, as far as I know, uh-huh. were on TV first. Jim was not the first to do puppets right. on television, but but they they were on first. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, so that, it's been so long so. since I've known any of this shit. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, so... You know, the first thing that strikes me about this is when I've seen it, we're, we're kind of right down the street from Atomic Records in Burbank. Uh, we're at your, thank you, by the way, for letting us record here in your, My your, pleasure. your, My pleasure. your office studio thing. Um, so at Atomic Records, I've seen this album a number of times, Sorry. but then I also have seen a number of other a, char- a Child's Garden of this, this, and this, and this, and this. Right. Uh, knowing that it's based off of a, a book of ch- A Child's Garden of Verse, but it's really funny. I've been trying to figure out like what like might have been in the zeitgeist that made this a thing. I'm pretty sure the other guy who did A Child's Garden of, I think it's called A Child's Garden of Grass. It's about weed. Uh, <laughs> right. Just just stole Freeberg's idea. Um, but so I've always wanted to listen to this, and this is perfect. Like it's got, I mean, it's got John and Marsha. It's got a little bit of, do you have a favorite track on here? Uh, holy bully, but I, I love them. I love them all. I mean, Saint, I think St. George and the Dragonette is just hilarious because when you think of all the, um, the talent he got on there, yes. it's like June Foray's on uh-huh. there and Doss Butler and, yeah. and I absolutely love Doss Butler. I'm a knave. Like, I just think that's so hilarious. It's you know? so brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so that may be my favorite. I mean, I, I, I listen to all these and I will listen, I uh, have listened to them a million times and all over. Um, you know, the other Rosa Texas is also hilarious with the, <laughs> with the drummer who keeps going crazy, you know? Um, but yeah, probably, probably St. George and the Dragon that just cause that's more of more like an audio drama type yes. thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I love them all. I, can't. I, I had no idea what to expect when I was listening to that. Like yeah. again, I thought it would all be like songs, but uh, when I, it's so if uh, for those who I'll throw clips in of you know as I do, but it's basically Dragnet, but it takes place in medieval times, and yeah. it's about hunting down a dragon. Yeah. It's so dumb, but like the jokes, the oh my, I'm trying to see what I wrote down. Hi, puppy. There's a puppy <laughs> licking me. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. So one of the first really dumb jokes. I love a good dumb joke is only the needle should be changed to protect the record, which is so dumb. Yeah. So dumb. I, I just fucking love it that he, uh, but it's, it also seems so adult, even though every one of the jokes is just goofy. Yeah. You know, yeah. it feels like if I'd have listened to this as a kid, I would have been like, that's the kind of thing I, I want to aspire to. Right. Um, is there anything about, did Freeberg specifically inspire you to do anything like voice stuff also? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, um, I actually started a podcast with a friend of mine in 2004 mm-hmm. called uh, The Radio Adventures of Dr. Floyd. Uh-huh. And that was, we were kind of, I don't know, 100% for sure, but we were kind of the first podcast for kids and families. Yeah, yeah. Because at the time, everyone was like, we can swear, yeah. so let's swear. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and we were like, oh, we're going to do, we're going to do this like story and and it was a time travel adventure. And I mean, you know, if you listen to any of the episodes of that show, mm-hmm. you can hopefully, I, I would assume, hear Stan Freeberg because it was a yeah. time travel. They were going to meet historical figures, awesome. you know. So it was, it's very much inspired by Stan Freeberg. That's um, awesome. And and to this day, I'm, I'm still kind of producing audio dramas and, and other stuff for, uh, you know, for podcasts and stuff. And yeah. it is, you know, Stan Freeberg is a huge influence. He really is. <laughs> The legend you are about to hear is true. Only the needle should be changed to protect the record. This is the countryside. My name is St. George. I'm a knight. Saturday, July 10th, 8.05 p.m. I was working out of the castle on the night watch when a call came in from the chief. A dragon had been devouring maidens. Homicide. My job. 
Slam. You call me, Chief? Yeah, it's the dragon again, devouring maidens. The king's daughter maybe next. Mm-hmm. You got a lead? Uh, nothing much to go on. Say, did you take that forty-five automatic into the lab to have him check on it? Yeah. You were right. I was right? Yeah. It was a gun. 8.22 p.m. I talked to one of the maidens who had almost been devoured. Could I talk to you, ma'am? Who are you? I'm St. George, ma'am. Homicide, ma'am. I want to ask you a few questions, ma'am. I understand you were almost devoured by the ma'am. Is that right, dragon? It's almost a lost art form. Not entirely lost, but like, is it... Well, I mean, I guess you're going to stand out if you're doing, like, kind of heavily produced stuff. Do you do, like, really heavily produced, like... I'm just curious, like, what yeah. kind of, what kind of, what your process is when you're making stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> uh, when we did Dr. Floyd, when we first started, uh, the guy who created it with lived in Florida. So Shoot. he would record, uh, record all his lines in Florida. This was before Skype, before yeah. other things. And he would, uh, you know, mail it to me, or uh, email it to me, and then I would, you know, record my lines and record other people's lines, oh and then it would be like you know, 20 tracks per episode mm-hmm. with sound effects and everything. Oh and, um, you know, it, it, it took a long time, but it was worth it. And I think it, you know, I, people really liked it. And um, this was back in the day, but uh, when we were at our most popular, we were getting like 85,000 downloads a month. Shit. So it was really amazing, yeah. you know. Um, and, uh, you know, it, but it, and what the great thing about it was um, because I started asking you know, I would just ask famous people, like the first like big, huge name we got. I mean, we got Frank Kana from Mystery Science Theater, awesome. who's a super nice guy, but I kind of knew him before. So I kind of think like, mm-hmm. who was the first like kind of big celebrity we got? But we got Jeffrey Tambor Shit. Uh, to be George Washington. It's and, perfect. Um, you know, uh, but then like it kind of just it, like it spiraled. We got uh, Don Novello as uh, Galileo wow. on an episode. And oh. then uh, June Foray. Like I, oh I, I saw June Foray at an event and I was like, I, had, I have to go ask her. Yeah. And she was like the sweetest person in the world. And she was just like, absolutely. Here's my number. Oh, Give me a call man. anytime. And I was like, well, we don't we don't have a budget. And yeah. she's like, this business has been so good to me. Yeah. I gladly want to help other people oh, in doing their thing. My God. And so she was on the show. She was actually on the show like twice. We had her on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she played Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> um, and then, like, of course, the highlight uh, talking about Stan was I was like, I gotta try and see if I can't yeah. get you know if I can't get him on and I called and uh, and it worked out so oh. it was it was we he played Sherlock Holmes because the season <laughs> the, that season they were jumping through books oh awesome and he played Sherlock Holmes and one of my greatest things and it's it's only for me like mm-hmm. I would never put it out there mm-hmm. but I just hit record when we sat down to start talking mm-hmm. and um, I have a recording of him reading through the script laughing at something i wrote like oh, stuff I, and i was just yeah. like oh my gosh this yeah. is this is amazing holy you know? crap and um so it was you know it was, it was a lot of fun it was, mm-hmm. it was, and that was probably the greatest thing about it was getting to work with all these all these folks my so. god so what what okay so what's <laughs> how long did you how, what was it like working with him i mean like that's insane oh, yeah it well it was really it was really interesting in that it was one of those things that where I had the experience, but nobody else was around and, yeah. and nobody could, I mean, not that, uh, like, you know, my friend Doug, who co-created the show, mm-hmm. he was working that day, so he just couldn't be oh, there, gosh. but it was a, we went to a, um, uh, I, I rented out like a small conference room mm-hmm. in a hotel kind of out by where he, you know, out, sort of out towards the UCLA where oh, okay. he lived. And, um, he just he he I think his wife Hunter drove him uh, there and mm-hmm. I met him in the lobby and we went upstairs and you know maybe it was like an hour and a half or so or maybe two hours just sitting there talking with him and oh, man. and uh, and then recording him for the for the thing and and it was amazing it was but as I said it was like it was just him and me, you know I mm-hmm. in a conference room there's no I don't have a I had met him before where I have a picture with him yeah but it's like I didn't take a picture I didn't do anything <laughs> yeah. it's like we just sat and recorded this yeah. and uh, it was just really awesome did you awesome. have to direct him I mean that's that's what like I, that's what I'm curious about uh, I, n- I did I don't think so no. I don't I don't I think you know and because here's the other thing was um, there's a sketch, and I almost wish it was on this album because mm-hmm. uh, it's my favorite Stan Freeberg sketch. is called The Lone Psychiatrist, and it's like a spoof on The Lone Ranger. Uh, you can look it up on YouTube, but it is um, it is just so funny and fast, and yeah. it's like three minutes long. 
but there is, and it's done like at the Lone Ranger pace, like, (laughs) and like once you hear that and they, they go through the whole thing, it's like, it's just packed full of jokes and so much good humor. And so when I was writing it, Mm -hmm. I was like, I just listened to that over and over again. And I was just (laughs) like, I really want to make this like that, where it's just words, puns and jokes and goofy you know, like you're talking about bad jokes, just just one right after another. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I put in a few little, um, you know, like little tributes to him kind of thing. And, you know, because, like, he says something to Watson and he goes, you're going to come with me, Watson. I don't want to hear any more rumblings of mutiny. You know, just like <laughs> little goofy things to kind of tribute to, to him. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was amazing. It was That's fun. so good. I, now, if, if let's, I mean, we could just go down the track list if you want. Sure. Just talk about them one by one. Um I mean, again, we already talked about St. George and the Dragonette, and I'm going to have to put a clip, a clip of that in there because it's just so good. Um, <clears throat> it's so funny, too, because listening to this, uh, I, I heard June's voice in there, and I've never met the woman, and I'm like, let me see if I can find the information on her online. So I happened to write her a letter and send her a letter today, just out of nowhere, not knowing that she'd done your show. Uh, so uh, it's just weird little coincidences that are yeah. happening. Um, and then Ceci Bon, which yeah. is... It's I, my notice just being French, which is like if you I did listen to the original of as many of these as I could. And I mean, you know, it is it's just him doing a French accent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which I mean, but I don't know how he gets all this traction out of that. It's, but it, well, it's, it's I think it's funny because it's, you know, he's trying to lead them. And it's just mm-hmm. one of those things where it's just like they're not, you know, he's yeah. trying to herd cats. But yeah. they're they're just singing the, you know. <laughs> And, uh, and I think in that one, too, just like um, Yellow Rose of Texas, he stops the song. Yes. He's like, listen, <laughs> you guys have to listen to me, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's a and as I said, that's a that's a fun one that Jim uh, Henson did as a uh, as a puppet sketch. Too. Yeah. So um, that's a fun one to uh, to look up. Yeah, there. That's the funny thing, too, is like they get so incredibly meta before that was a term. I mean, that that was kind of the bit like the bit for most of these was like. I feel like the idea is not I'm parodying a song. I'm parodying what it might have been like to be making this song, yeah. you know? And I love that. So yeah. it's like, this is an alternate take every time. <laughs> right. None of them is a final song, sort of. Uh, yeah. all the, uh, but I just love, too, that like there's this <laughs> obvious, well, I won't say disdain. Do you, do you know much about how he actually felt about the pop music he was screwing with? Because like, I, I couldn't find a lot of information on it. Um, no, I... I if, uh, I don't know if he mentions this in his book. He has a book called It Only Hurts When I Laugh yes. that, he, that he wrote. Um, but uh, if I think that he he did, he was one of those people that didn't like the Beatles. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like okay. he, he did not like them. And uh, there's several of his spoofs and satires that, uh, not directly the Beatles, but, uh, you know, like Payola mm-hmm. and... Um, Sorry, there's my mom is out front honking. I apologize if you can hear that on the recording. Uh, just, just a minute, mom. Um, but I, I don't think he. I think maybe he grew to. You know, it's like, well, it's here. It's not gonna. Right. It's not gonna go away. But I think that that he didn't like it, and yeah. that's part of the reason why he was satirizing it. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I hope I'm not putting words into his sure, mouth. But, but from things I've heard and things I kind of read, he didn't. You know. Yeah. That's kind of the feeling I've always gotten because the the thing you know you you tend to think of in terms of satire or parody well not satire but parody specifically is like usually you have to be so intimate with the subject matter that you know all of it so that's how you can parody it so well yeah whereas I think in this case it's like no he just knew a bunch of skilled musicians was one himself and he's like no 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 we're going to do exact show how easy it is to do what they do yeah which is a weird like because you don't think of it that that so which is I think what makes this parody and satire at the same time you know because like some of these are direct like he's doing heartbreak hotel right yeah but (laughs) yeah i don't think i don't think necessarily like i think he was part of the group that was who is this elvis and why you know we don't like him you know like uh and and i'm gonna make fun of him in every way not not i don't think in a mean way it's not mean yeah but just like this is this is not good music, you know. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I picture. It's kind of like you know. It's like I hear things today, and I just go, "What is? How is this popular?" Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel, but I feel like yeah, too. And in, in the same case, like maybe it's also like I've I've seen this coming. Like, as, right. like which is how you feel about pop music now. Like I've seen I've seen how it's in my old man brain. It's degrading, <laughs> you know. Right. And like he's probably like me. He was probably in his thirties and an old man already. Like I feel like there's there's one thing about satirists and stuff that they're kind of like. You're a grumpy old man even when you're young. Right. You know? Right. And, um, okay, so the next song is, I I can make no sense of. It's great. 
It's called Widescreen Mama Blues, and it makes almost no sense. Yeah. To me. I, I, think, I can't peg it. Yeah, I, well, I think I just think it was... He did a couple kind of spoofs on television. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's another one called Television, which is actually, I think, a better one than Widescreen Mama Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, and actually, on the, on the back of the album... He, it's, it's, uh, if you read the back, it's this great letter and it starts off, I'll, I'll read it right here to the persons fingering this album in the record shop and wondering whether to buy Bach fugues instead. <laughs> so the whole back of this letter, the whole back of this album is a letter saying like, here, here's why you should buy my album. It's amazing. And, um, he even says on oh. here, cause I just, I read this earlier today is that he goes, these are, this is an album, my hits. And then he goes, uh, I'm trying to find it exactly where it is, but, uh, he goes, actually, this is nine-twelfths true, because there's 12 tracks. I managed to sneak in three numbers, Rock Around Stephen Foster, That's My Boy, and White Scream on Blues, which no one was looking, uh, when no one was looking. Each one was the backside of a hit, and therefore, to my disappointment, seldom played. There you go. Okay. So it was a B-side, but he, uh, you know, put it in because he liked it. Hold it. Hold it, please. What are you doing? Hold it, Vapor Girl. Am I going to have trouble with you like them last guys? How can the kids dance to that jazz? If they can't bop to it, they won't buy the record. You know that. Don't you know that? Yeah. You know that. Now, we're going to do Stephen Foster, all right, but we're going to do him rock and roll. Dig. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Jack King, Queen. Rock. Genie. Genie with, genie with the, genie with the light, genie with the light brown, genie with the light brown wig, rock! Pretty commercial, huh, boy? I'll tell the world. Okay, follow me now. Genie! That's the stuff. Genie with, a little more out of tune, please. Genie with the, her head is bending, Nelly fly, the buckwheat cake is in her mouth. I, I really like that this is a compilation is still like one of the things I love is that, like it, when comedy albums get really interactive and this is as close I think as you're going to get in 1957 it's not going to be like a crazy fold out there's not going to be some crazy shit you have to do there's not going to be let's play along with the album let's talk a lot but like there's a really funny letter on the back and it's just like it's again super meta it's like here's a record I'm telling you about a record there's no separation between you and the idea that this is a comedy record you right. know there's right, no yeah. like there's no veneer yeah there never seemed to be one to him, I don't think. No, I mean, no, no. I think uh, I think what you saw is what you got. Mm-hmm. And he was, uh, you know, and, and even, and I think, uh, I don't know if maybe necessarily the time that this came out, but, you know, he got into advertising. And his yeah. whole thing in advertising was, I'm going to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like these, because uh, he had that whole, uh, and I'm always, I always blank on the name of the foil company, but this foil company was like the lowest they were like they couldn't get into stores like yeah, people, yeah. these aluminum foil they couldn't get into stores and he made the commercial about that was like these mean <laughs> grocers don't let in and so he had people going into supermarkets demanding that this foil be put uh, on the thing because this uh, poor foil salesman needed to get fed you know it's amazing and he was so great at just saying stating as you said no veneer this is what it is yeah this is, yeah it's so weird that that could work i mean it obviously is counterintuitive for advertising at the time because they're just learning about how to manipulate people really well yeah and so he decides, no, I'm just I'm going to be as honest as I possibly can. And but with comedy, like it, it is kind of the opposite. Pretending to be honest is really funny. Yeah. You know, especially like I said, like you said, with a letter on the back of the album, like it's just this very weird, unnecessary level to this. Also to a compilation, because it could just be like, here are some of Stan Freeberg's greatest funny hits. What a wacky guy. Right. But instead, he handwrites a letter for the back, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next one we've already talked about a little bit, but it's Heartbreak Hotel. Yeah. And the joke of that, besides his dumb Elvis impression, which is fantastic, uh, I, I actually think he kind of nails it. Like, it's not a perfect Elvis, but it's pretty good yeah, for the time, good. you yeah. know? But the, just the, the joke is just like, it's just echo, and the echo just keeps getting greater and greater and greater to the point where you can barely understand the song. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. It, well, and that's even, like, he's... He's not, that's not even necessarily poking fun at Elvis. That's mm. poking fun of how that song was recorded. Yeah. yeah. Was that they added so much <laughs> echo and reverb into it, and uh, yeah, and it starts looping back, and um, uh, and 
what was yeah no I think that's another thing but anyway uh, yeah it's uh, you know and he rips his jeans yep. because of the, the dancing <laughs> and yeah it's really good it's really good I love the idea that he'd be doing a full dance while he's recording the album <laughs> right oh that's so brilliant yeah. you know it, it, what's really funny is like uh, I, I would need to compare ages like how old was he at the time 1957 god and th- that song was probably 1955 1956 I really should look up how old he was uh, the tens so he's probably late 30s at this point so he's not all that far off from the proper age for being hip to youth culture. And obviously he knows youth culture at the time. Yeah. Um, but like, he's kind of like, he's groundbreaking in the same way as this music is, but I love that he didn't necessarily like it. It's really funny yeah. to me. Well, and you know, what's you know, what's interesting too, is I think he was really on, he was coming up during that, uh, people were leaving radio and going to television. Yeah. So some of his even early stuff is you know he had one of the last radio shows mm-hmm. on when they did radio shows where like you know he took Jack Benny's spot when Jack Benny made the jump to oh, right, yeah. television and i think you know there's several of his things where um you know the little radio ads and stuff where where he was like uh you know he'd always have a little kid who i think a lot of times was his daughter um, okay. and who would go like you know, uh, he would say like, "Oh, radio stretches your imagination," mm-hmm. and the little girl would go, "Well, doesn't television do that?" And he'd go, "Well, up to thirteen inches, yes." <laughs> you know, and and that was kind of poking hole. Like I think he loved radio and he loved creating these worlds. Yeah. And then to see, you know, he was in the this time shift where people were moving to television. People, it was rock and roll was, was yeah. big. You know, and he's just kind of like, "Well, wow, but." I want to hang on to this yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. As, as much as I can. You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So uh, he was probably an interesting time. When, yeah. You know. But he stuck with it, too. That's the other thing. Like, he still is most well-known for, not for anything visual. Like, and that's strange yeah. that for the rest of his career, essentially, he's a guy that we heard. Yeah. And that's not common at all. Like, yeah. again, if Jack Benny, old man, moves on TV, I just, it's just, that's the weird thing. He's not that old of a guy when this is happening. Yeah. But I also, I guess I can understand it's, it would be like, I, would it be like me gravitating towards VHS or something? Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think like, yeah, what's the equivalent, maybe, you know? Yeah. Although that's, yeah. that just seems like a sad thing to try and do. Well, but now, I mean, you're doing a podcast about vinyl, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> well, what am I even thinking? Uh, yeah, no, that is true. But I, at the very least, like, I'm, I'm cool if you want to not put your thing out on vinyl, but, like, I'm so afraid of people forgetting this shit. You know, I mean, yeah, even no, 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 me, no. I'm you know? Not, I'm not, and I'm not oh, satirizing no. this at no, all. No, 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 I know. Like, but, no, you called me out. I should have <laughs> just, I should have just, like, realized my own thing on my own show. No, 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 I don't think you're picking. I, I think it's fantastic. It's a good thing to think about. And I, but I'm always afraid, too, that, like, this is a big thing about me, like why I collect some albums. I will buy crap sometimes too, because I, I don't know, maybe that'll be important one day. Maybe somebody, yeah. I don't, I don't want to forget about it. But then there's also things like these that I feel like are obvious. Like I've literally never bought a Red Fox album when there are a million of them. And I think it's because there are a million of them, but I know I need to listen to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I feel like I missed out. So that's why I kind of like when somebody gives me something new. Do, were you going? Were you thinking history of the United States first, or did you, and then decide to do this one instead? I'm just curious. Like uh, for this show, yeah, yeah. Well, I just because you had said we you had done it before, yeah. you had yeah, covered yeah, it yeah. before, and I was like, well, I don't want to. I'm sure it's been well covered, so right. let's, let's pick something else that has different tracks. I was actually looking. I was like, oh, is there a compilation with the lone psychiatrist on it, just so we could talk about yeah. that? But unfortunately, oh. it didn't. It's not on. You know, it's on CD compilation, sure, sure, but it's not sure. on vinyl. But uh, right. but I mean, this is you know this as he says in the thing. It's it's his hits. You know, these yeah. were at the time these when back when comedy music was played regularly on the radio. Right. right. Um, you know, these were tracks that were played fairly often on lots of different stations. Mm-hmm. There, man. Uh, okay, so the next one, my first note. And it, it kind of carries through the rest of it. The next one's called Rock Around Stephen Foster, which I actually really enjoy. Yeah. I like it a lot. So he takes Stan, so he takes some Stephen Foster songs, and this is the one where I first wrote, invented the mashup, because he's mixing Stephen Foster songs with the song Rock Around the Clock. And yeah. it's great. They fit perfectly. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. to discover that puzzle, like, again, is another way, I think, to satirize the same music. He's like, no, this is the same old shit. It just sounds a little different. Like, I feel like that's maybe what he's doing a little bit. 
I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what, uh, other than, like, this is a really funny thing to mix together. Again, I, yeah. That's the other thing, too, is maybe I'm simplifying it by calling it that, because, again, these are just really complex sketches where there's this guy just, like, try, and they're just trying to work it out the whole time. Well, and what's interesting is he revisits Stephen Foster in the sequel to History of the United States, which wasn't on vinyl, okay. but was on CD. Oh, yeah. But, but he revisits Stephen Foster, and the joke is almost... It's not the same, because it's, it's him and Harry Shearer, and uh, there's somebody else in that sketch who I'm blanking on right now. It may be his son, Donovan. Mm-hmm. But they're just naming songs they're yeah. just like like oh i'll you know uh you know uh oh did you see the new girl out front yeah genie with the light brown hair yeah she's great you know like, like that's all it is and this song is kind of that too where yeah. he's just touching on as many of these songs as he can yeah um, but what i love about this song is just like there's so many great backup parts and like to sit down mm-hmm. and it's like here's how we're gonna do this we're gonna you can just tell that it was so methodically planned out you're gonna sing this at this part and then mm-hmm. the chorus is gonna come in here and you know, um, and I'm sure the the rehearsal in order to get it down was amazing yeah, as well. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Is like it's it's just it's so complex that like you you could just have them play Rock Around the Clock and throw the words in. Yeah, if you wanted to do that. Yeah. but it's way more than that. Yeah. Also, I noticed he sounds a lot like John C. Riley. It never occurred to me until just uh, like that's listening to it today. But there's, there's a whole lot of that. You know, like there's a yeah. whole like he does this weird back of his throat like strained <laughs> voice thing. I'm like. Holy crap, Stan Freeberg sounds a little bit like John C. Riley. Yeah, um, check that out. He, he and throughout it, like he's got. I wish I knew better his his range because, like, this is obviously he's he's got range in terms of like he's imitating these certain, but like as far as character work, I don't know his 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 voice work that well. Is there something like you can make me? Maybe I should go back to. Uh, well. Um... Uh, just in terms, of, I mean, you know, like in like what's popping into my head when you asking that is all his animation stuff. Yeah. Because he was, um, he did a ton of. He was Pete Puma for the Warner Brothers. A whole lot of um. Okay, like there we that, go. Yeah. That. All right. And uh, he was one of the two little um, uh, Gophers Macintosh. After you, oh, right. no, no, no. After you, <laughs> okay. After you, yeah, after yeah. After you, Which was sort of Warner Brothers <laughs> Chippendale, you know, like their <laughs> version of it. Um, and then he was Baby Bear when when it was. Uh, uh, the three bears. It was a real, real gruff dad bear, uh-huh. and then the mom was in the like pink nightgown, <laughs> pink nightgown all the time. And anyway, um, you know, so he. I mean, and then he did. That's just that's his Warner Brothers work. Yeah, he, yeah. he did ton. You know, he was the the beaver in Lady and the Tramp, uh, where they're trying to get oh, the muzzle shit. off. Like he was the beaver in that. Wow. Uh, yeah, he he did uh, he did tons of stuff. Even he did tons of stuff right up. Like he was, there was a Garfield series that he was playing John in, I think John, but he really? was like just a year ago, you know, or yeah. something like that. He was, That's he was crazy. pretty involved, yeah. Messieurs, I want you should assist me later in this song, no? When I give you the signal, say, say bon, say bon, like that. C'est bon, c'est bon, like that. Pardon me, monsieur, just say c'est bon, c'est bon, forget it like that. C'est bon, c'est bon, forget it like that. No, 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 just say c'est bon, c'est bon, period. C'est bon, c'est bon, period. Stop the music, stop it. Repeat after me. Si? Si. Bon? Bon. Si bon? Si bon. It's good, yes? It's good, yes? It's magnifique, messieurs. <laughs> Je t'embarre de meatheads. C'est si bon. Départi n'importe où. Bras dessus, bras dessus. En j'entends des chisons. I had no idea. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. Is like, I feel like I don't... You know, again, if you listen to him only a few times, you didn't grow up with it, you're not going to be listening for that voice. Yeah. For me, it's like Billy West or Jim Cummings. Like, these are guys right. that I can hear, like, but... Um, well, and you know what's interesting? Yeah. If I can, if I can uh, segue... Or, no, please. Uh, train... I don't remember. Derail what I'm it? Saying. Derail it. There you go. That's what I'm looking for. Train. Something with a train. Um, is that what I've kind of noticed is, because listening to a lot of Stan Freeberg, listening to his voices, and listening to Jim Henson, mm-hmm. is there's a lot of similarities. That's a really good point. And then it's funny that Jim, like, used him on his show, and their voices are kind of, sim- really you know what I mean? Point. Like it's yeah. And, and it's, like, I wonder, 
you know, like was Jim just listening to Stan Freiberg records and that's how he yeah. developed his different voices, you know? Uh, Shit, that's a really good point. Yeah. That, I don't know why that didn't occur to me when John C. Riley sounds like Kermit the Frog. So <laughs> that's that's a perfect parallel. God, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. It's funny because they're, you know, uh, Jim was younger a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. you know, than Stan. But if he was listening to all these records at this time and that's where he... Uh, you know, it's like, I could do that voice. Yeah. I could do that voice. Right. You know, I always wonder too, how much one's own voice changes, like actual voice changes based on your influences. Yeah. You know, cause I know that I've gotten like certain intonations have, are the result of Phil Hartman. There's no doubt. I sound nothing like him, but I know like the parts right. of my voice that are there. Probably a little bit of Kermit the Frog too. Like now that <laughs> I think about it, like just the shit that you listen to the most. Yeah. So you have to, I, I have to wonder if his voice didn't just seep in. That's, that's so cool. Now I'm going to have to go back and listen to some of these things because that's now I have to listen with an ear for Jim Henson's voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so the next one's the Yellow Rose of Texas, which you really like. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I think, I mean, that's, uh, it's again, it's he's trying to g- sing the song straight, mm-hmm. <laughs> but outside forces are not letting him sing the song straight. And just the, you know, the craziness of how loud the snare drum keeps getting, but he's kind of poking fun at the original album mm-hmm. which had a loud snare drum at yeah. the front and it is sort of a you know it's like a march type song mm-hmm. so you, a snare drum isn't quite out of the blue sure but um and uh you know this is the yellow rose of texas is a little bit like the great pretender yeah in that it's one instrument getting louder and louder <laughs> and louder you know um uh, I think that's kind of, that's kind of a theme with his thing because with the banana boat song yeah. and and which is uh, banana boat's not on here but, right but with that it's like he can't control the music <laughs> like, all the musicians have a mind of their own yeah you know? um, so uh, yeah I, I, that's I think that's a, a really funny uh, song and you know like I I will just if you hear it anywhere mm-hmm. you know like I will yeah that's a good point start you know like thinking of the Stan Freeberg version as opposed not that you hear it a lot sure. But, you know, if you're on a tour through Texas or something, mm-hmm. you hear it. Um, you know, anyway, yeah. I think it's, it's interesting. Like, I think any sketch writer kind of does that. They they will they have a thing that they do, and you can vary it. As, he varies it more in some and, and less in others. Like some of them are very similar, but it's they're always funny. But like it, it kind of. I feel like you can hear the political satirist coming out in that, like, I'm going to pick on this one little thing that really stands out to me as either obnoxious or wrong. Yeah. And I'm going to hammer it. And that's how a political satirist works, too. Yeah. It's interesting that, like, in one song, it's like, I'm just going to pick on a snare drum for three <laughs> minutes. But then he could go and just, you know, tear apart some political hypocrisy that he doesn't enjoy. Yeah. You know, I think it's fascinating that, like, his brain could compartmentalize, but also, like, you can clearly see where he's going with everything he, he writes, you know? Yeah. Um, the next one is his first hit ever. His first release and his first hit. Yeah. John and Marsha. Yep. Classic. Which, while I've heard it a million times, only now, I must have only heard it before I was, like, ever hit puberty because I just realized how dirty it was. Like, it's a kind of a dirty <laughs> song or track. It's so fucking funny. Well, and I, but I think, I think <laughs> it's also how dirty you imagine it of to be. Of course it is. You know, of course it is. Because, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's it's how, you know, because I'm sure I heard it as a kid listening mm-hmm. to Dr. Demento, and then later on, like you said, it's like you realize, you're like, oh, this could be taken this <laughs> completely other way, you know? Um, yeah, and it's, I mean, that, how fun is that? It's like he's doing both voices. Both voices. So it's, it's, uh, it's, just with a simple, like, so easy. Yeah. Like, it's so easy. Mm-hmm. It really is simple that there's not much to it. Right. It's it's just saying John and Marsha over and the over again. The whole time. <laughs> yeah. But I was listening to it, and I haven't heard it enough to remember the intonations, and I'm like, he should do this next. And he does it. Like, there's something yeah. about it that's like, that he hits this weird natural story progression with the whole thing, and I just, that's very internal. Like, it's, there's something, like, primal that yeah. he's, and I don't know how. Well, and I think I think probably at the time he was spoofing soap operas sure. on the radio. Too. Yeah, it was like this is what you're hearing. You know, if you mm-hmm. listen to those shows, you know, it's just them saying their their names <laughs> over and over in different, um, you know, shades of love. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's that's one. You know, it's like I, I love all Stanford, but that's the one. It's that's sort of like the 
I guess one week for bare naked ladies. You right. Know, it's like that's yes. the, that's the hit that uh-huh. you, everyone hears. Is, yeah, I go a little deeper with my Stan Freeberg <laughs> than John and Marsha, but it's still it's a classic. You know? One of my favorite Warner Brothers jokes ever is a reference to it. It's where there's an alien and it's John and Martian. It's one of the dumbest yeah. jokes of all time, but I, it's it's very Stan Freeberg for that very reason. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then he he revisited it. There's a song called "A John and Marsha Letter." Oh, I saw that. I didn't hear it, but I yeah, saw that online. Yeah, yeah, and it's the they bring the same character. And there's actually to me that one is a little bit funnier because some of the jokes are funnier okay. than that one. Um, uh, and I don't think you 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 don't have to hear. There's certainly a couple of references that reference back to uh-huh. this song, um, but it's a it's a fun track too. That's awesome. Um, okay, so the next one, I just love that a lot of the ones that he parodies are some of my favorite songs from the period, <laughs> "The Great Pretender." Yeah. Um, <laughs> the voices. I don't know who the other voice is in it. Do you know? Um, I'm thinking maybe Peter Leeds. I, okay. Like that's who that's who top of my head would come off of is, mm-hmm. is Peter Leeds as the other in the Great Pretender. But it's basically he usually was the other one. Like if it was more ensemble stuff, Doss Butler would come in. Yeah. But it seemed more like he worked with Peter Leeds a lot as the other voice. Okay. Yeah. But he was always Stan was always the one singing, correct? Yeah. Usually. Yeah. 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 Which I think is like, that's, I mean, that in and of itself speaks to to his range. I really do like his imitations of these guys. Yeah. They're really funny. Um, fuck, I have, a, I have a note here and I cannot read it, so I have no idea. Do you have anything else to say about this track? Well, my thought, favorite part of The Great Pretender it. is at the end when he goes, I can't play any more of this cling, cling, cling jazz. And Sam <laughs> Rupert goes, you play this cling, cling, cling jazz or you're not going to get paid. <laughs> Beat Cling, 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 cling. He starts playing like that. To me, that's one of the funniest things in the whole thing because you could just see the guy thinking, oh, "All right, I'm gonna play." <laughs> I did write cling, cling, cling jazz, so that was that good. So yeah. we, um, <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Uh, the next one is like sounds. I just love how adorable it sounds. It's called, yeah, called "That's My Boy." That's my boy. Yeah, singing about his his little bundle of sunshine <laughs> that's trying to kill him. Yeah, so it's this really sweet song, but about. You know, uh, isn't he cute with that poison dart or whatever? You know, mm-hmm. like whatever the line is. You know, it, it's just it's very funny. Very funny. And it, it the whole time I kind of it's very evocative. So I kept thinking of it kind of in terms of a cartoon. Like in yeah. my head, I was picturing this little kid in a storybook, but yeah. being the devil. Like it's, yeah, yeah, it would be very easy to animate all of these. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, or put puppets to them. Exactly as as we know. Um, okay, so the next one is actually like. Okay, I, I enjoy it quite a bit, uh, but I had to like you had to do I had to do research to figure out which version of this song he was parodying. Uh, the song is Rock Island Line. Uh, originally, it was a song by like Lead Belly, some other guy, and a bunch of prisoners. Yeah. And then there's a guy named Lonnie Donegan who is a white guy reappropriating it. In right. The 50s. Who was? Um, does is he? Oh no! Yeah, yeah. He's um, uh, does your chewing gum lose its flavor? Does he? I See, I didn't so. know that. I that's Holy Lonnie shit. Donegan. I'm that's pretty amazing. sure that's Lonnie Donegan. I'm trying to get him confused with Timey Kangaroo Downsport, which I oh, believe yeah. is somebody else. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. So I think he, I think he did Lonnie Donegan was uh, does your chewing gum lose its flavor? But anyway, that's so that's okay. Now it makes sense why I've heard that name before. Uh, he's kind of ahead of his time because he's making fun of the folk boom even yeah. before it's really a boom. <laughs> yeah, just it's all about. The guy talking at the beginning of this. So you're gonna you're gonna tell the story. <laughs> I don't remember the exact line, but yeah. like, it's so. Uh, well, and I like I like. Uh, we didn't even let me get to the sheep. Well, we don't have time for that. Doesn't make that doesn't make any difference. Who makes a difference to the sheep? <laughs> you know, it's like these poor sheep want to be mentioned in this song. You know, and I just love yeah his voice his. Uh, you know, and I believe that's Peter Leeds who's who's playing okay. the. All right, listen, are you gonna get to the song? What's what's happening here? Mm-hmm. We're gonna. You know, um, and it just they had great chemistry together, um, those two guys. And uh, and I had I had never heard before. I heard like this is the and this often happens with Weird Al songs. This was the version I'm familiar yes. with. And I was like, oh wait, this is another song, right? That's you know <laughs> that is based on the or you know this is based on. Wow, mm-hmm. I didn't know. You know. Mm-hmm. I, also, listening, um, I totally forgot what I was going to say. But um, son of a bitch, my brain just <laughs> fucking just stopped. Totally just stopped. I had right. yeah, I'm distracted by a puppy. That's yes. that's the problem. Sorry about that. No, are you kidding? This is a great dog. Everyone gets a puppy when they come to the office. <laughs> um, but it is great. Oh no, that's what I was gonna say. Is like I feel like there is one thing where you can make fun of music you just hate. 
there's the other thing where, like I said, you can make fun of stuff you enjoy because you know it so well. There's something about this song where I feel like he doesn't, he knows that this guy's reappropriating something that is not his, and I think you maybe saw that in the whole folk movement. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe I'm drawing way too much of a conclusion. No, I here, can see that. But it feels like you know, there's a bunch of white guys playing black music. Yeah, which is it's okay, but like, I just love that it's just like, no, 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 don't do this. If you're gonna do it, just play the music. And I it kind of like there's there's a there's a back and forth because you feel bad for the singer too, so it's fine. But I really kind of like that the the comment is, is seems to be, why don't you just be sincere and do your own stuff a yeah. little bit. Ah, it's just, and I think, again, I read that into it because there's just this edge, a little bit of an edge to what he does. John! Marcia! John! Marcia! John? Uh, Marcia. John? Marcia? John? Marcia? John? Marcia? And then the last song is, again, one of my favorite songs of all time, and he just does this amazing version of it called Shaboom. Shaboom yeah. is a great song, yeah. but... Well, I like... He just... He gets mad because they're too intelligible. He's like, you guys... <laughs> listen, you want to do this? You got to speak unintelligible. And then, like, he sings whole verse like... How you know, like, he doesn't even make any sense. Uh, it's really, really funny. I think I almost heard a word there. We got to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starting. <laughs> and then there are... Also, too, throughout this whole thing, like I, every once in a while, there will be a reference that I had to look up on Wikipedia and still didn't explain to me what sure. the hell he was talking about. Sure, he mentions yeah. a Hugo Winterhalter, and I had to look him up. Yeah. All I know is he was a composer. I don't get the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but is, uh, and then at the, by the end of it, they're yelling Stella. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is fantastic. Yeah. Just, it, it makes zero sense. But they're also, like, kind of nailing the song, for the most part. Yeah. Um. Uh, so did, did I ask you what your favorite track is of the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I said, as I said, St. George and the Dragon. St. George, But okay, I mean, they're yeah. all, you know, there's favorite things out of each of these mm -hmm. that I think are great. And um, yeah, you know, uh, you, you mentioned him putting in references that you have to <laughs> kind of look up just because they've gone, they've faded from yeah. the thing. But it's like that History of the United States album, there's whole websites that break down, like annotation, like, oh, That's this, and I'm just so like, good. oh, wait, that wasn't just a line? Right, you know? right. Like, wow, that had meaning, <laughs> you know, that's just how genius he was, mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, yeah, he's he's a great, this is a fan, you know, every one of these was a hit, you know, mm -hmm. and um, the three that weren't are still amazing. When you, okay, so what kind of, were your, did your family listen to any of this kind of stuff too? No, uh, no, but uh, they were very supportive. Okay. And if we would go on a long car trip, uh, I would either whine enough or whatever, <laughs> where we would listen to, okay, we'll listen to one Weird Al tape. Okay. Or we'll listen to one, you know. And I remember, like, one of the, one of the, this moment sticks in my head as driving in the car and listening to that um, uh, Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin signing the Declaration of Independence uh -huh. by... Uh, you know, Stan Freeberg, and that moment where Ben Franklin goes, look at this show-off Hancock, pretty flamboyant signature for an insurance album, and my mom losing it, and she had never heard it before, and I was like, oh, they, my mom loves this, you know, this, no, this is like, this is great, this is, like, she sees why I think this is so That's funny, amazing. you know, and I didn't, I didn't get that joke until yeah. later, Sure. Uh, and, and then you go, oh, John Hancock had the biggest signature right. on the whole thing, that's why it's funny, you know, um, but I just knew it's like I like this is funny. My mom likes this now. Yeah, you know? and they were they were just so super supportive of. And then my mom's dad. Uh, this was years. This was like after I was out of college, but I was up visiting. And he goes, oh, I got something for you. And he went, and he gave me a, a Homer and Jethro album. Really? Yeah, and it's just like he knew he was like, 
you know, you're doing all this funny music stuff, and yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. like this. That's you know? awesome. So, uh, so yeah, so they're very supportive, mm-hmm. even even if they weren't necessarily huge fans. Right, right. And I'm right. sure I drove them crazy with uh, <laughs> playing, you know, Polka Party mm-hmm. uh, full blast from my bedroom <laughs> as a kid. Oh shit! I can imagine like if you're of a certain age, uh, that stuff might just be tiresome. Yeah, you know, I love Weird Al. (laughs) Weird Al is the reason I love comedy as much as I do. But like, I can understand like if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. (laughs) You know, Um, man, and I I feel like Weird Al definitely, especially early Weird Al, you can feel the same influence in terms of like he he's obviously a fan of music, but he also really liked to tear stuff up. Yeah, he really liked to do that. Do you? You know what? But I would like to have you back if you ever want to come back. But do you have a favorite Weird Al track? Oh boy! I mean, we can just do the first album <laughs> or whatever. Like, but uh, I would really have to think about that. That's, that's understandable because they're so they're so great. You know, yeah. what, you know what I loved, and I I always get flack for saying this, but at the time, mm-hmm. I was not a huge fan of Nirvana uh-huh. when Nirvana came out. Yeah, like I I didn't see it. Everyone loved it, and Same still here. to this day. And it's like, you know, like I, I it just wasn't my thing. Yeah, you know. And then when Weird Al did it, I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, this is, he is saying everything that I feel mm-hmm. about this. And then like later on to find out, it's like, oh, they like were friends and they, right. you know, they, they, they talked to each other about it. And it's mm-hmm. just, you know, like, and it's like, <laughs> oh, but it's just like, when that song came out, um, I was just like, this is everything I think about, <laughs> which that song mm-hmm. is very much like a Stan Freeberg uh, making fun of Elvis because yeah, it was like marbles 100%. in my mouth and yeah. you know like shaboom it being an un- unintelligible that's true and it's and it's very it's a very similar style of song mm-hmm. you know um, and it's perfect too because like it's obviously done in a different spirit because they were cool they loved it like the story is like <laughs> that Kurt Cobain said it's not about food is it and he's like no it's yeah. about how nobody can understand you and they're cool that I from from yeah. what I understand even in some of Kurt Cobain's published diaries like he there are notes about how Weird Al's a genius in them yeah like, which makes me respect Kurt Cobain even if I don't necessarily love his music right right uh, yeah. but I was the same way I was exactly I was like thank God thank you for doing <laughs> this Weird Al so yeah. again maybe I was an old man when I was a teenager but you know it's uh, yeah that's a good call that's a really good call yeah I mean there's so many to choose from did you. Uh, do you own like every Freeberg album? Are you like a completist about it, or just? Uh, I'm like I try to be like slowly. Like I just bought um, actually, actually here. Actually, I haven't even unwrapped it yet. But is um, he did? Uh, it was an advertising thing, but he did a musical called Oregon. Uh huh. And it is about. It was for the hundredth anniversary of Oregon. That Holy crap! Some, I think it was a beer company uh, sponsored it. Wow. And. Um, it's a full, I mean, it's an album, it's two sides, mm-hmm. and it's like you're listening to a musical, but with all the dialogue in between. That's amazing. You know, and it's, uh, it's about, uh, uh, yeah, and it's, it's about like, the, it's not, it's not the factual history of Oregon, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, it's like totally not factual at all. I love it. Um, even less so than the history of the United States was, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's just great. And it's just like, when you're listening to it, you can picture, um, uh, you know the the musical going on it, you know so it's, good and it's kind of a spoof on oklahoma mm-hmm. um but about oregon and uh so yeah i mean i do like if, if something pops up on ebay mm-hmm. you know that it's like oh i'd love to have oregon on Vine. yeah yeah you know, so i i bought it and it wasn't it was actually not that expensive that really? i thought it was going to be so um but uh, i don't Maybe if I had a bigger house someday, I'd be like, yes, I will own one of everything. Sure. But there's a discography page where it's like, man, you'd really have to. Really? Because all the singles. And yeah, like, that's If you were true. like, okay, I'm yeah. going to buy all the singles and everything, mm-hmm. then you'd, you'd have a lot. So Yeah. I bet the only person who's got all of them is Dr. Demento. Probably. God, I can't yeah. imagine seeing his archive. I was in the once. Were you? Once. No. Yeah, one time, yeah. No. Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. holy shit. <laughs> wow. He's, yeah, he's fantastic. And it was, um, uh, I was he was actually, he was on Dr. Floyd. Mm. And so I went to his place to record Dr. Floyd. Mm-hmm. And he's got this whole back house that is just stacked full God. to ceiling of, uh, of, of records. That's amazing. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I, I feel like with Stan Freeberg, um, well, as with any album, uh, there, there's something, there's definitely something that like a newer generation could appreciate in it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I love it. And I'm fairly new to Stan Freeberg, you know, because of the podcast. What's, if you're going to tell people why, why to listen, what's a good reason to listen to this, uh, maybe even as a first? 
Or would you recommend it as a first for Freebird? You wouldn't have to. No, well, I, I, as a first album to listen to, mm-hmm. I would say History of the United States. Okay. Just, I mean, that's, to me, it's like that's kind of what was my entryway yeah. into it. Yeah, um, But then I also think that, you know, if you live in the United States, you know all these stories, and that's it's true. such a crazy take on these stories, mm-hmm. um, you know, that it is, uh, it's something that, that I think a lot of people would love. You know, it's like, it was funny, I... I remember a time in high school where I said something that was a you know direct line from history of the United States, and somebody else who I had no idea, my friend Jeanette, we were like super good friends. Mm-hmm. She instantly said the next line, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like you, you Stan Freeman. She goes, "Yeah, this is Stan. What are you talking about, Stan Freeman? Like as a kid, we listened to it. You know yeah. what I mean?" So, um, and man, I, I I wish I could have gone to it, but there was just this. There was a thing before he passed away where it was sort of a tribute to him. Yeah. It was like at the Egyptian theater, I think, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering correctly. But like uh, Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg sent in a video clip from the set of Bridge of Spies. Holy crap. That was like, Stan, we love you. You're great. And like they were quoting some of the stuff. Crazy. And, um, you know, it's just, I think, I think if you, to me, I, I mean, this really clicks with my sense of humor, but it's like if you want a really good course on writing mm-hmm. uh, and and keeping things short and keeping, you know, like, but short, but filled with so many jokes yeah. on so many different levels, listen to Stan Freeberg because, especially that History of the United States, I mean, there's so much in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would recommend that one, but then, uh, you know, they're, they're also good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this good. is a good sampling in terms of greatest hits, at least. So yeah. if, you, if you want to see what made him famous, but definitely, I, I, I see your point about History of the United States because we know that stuff. Yeah. So it's probably going to be infinitely more relatable yeah um and if you're not familiar with older music you might not totally get this stuff i'm lucky that i grew up with the stuff he's making fun of yeah um and you and if you get history of the united states uh listen to it on vinyl because um there's later releases that had stuff that was not released oh okay because um, there was a there was a couple other things that were not uh like paul revere had a segment that they recorded at the time but they mm-hmm. couldn't fit it on the album yeah but also the vinyl has the original sound effects mm-hmm. and when they went to go put it on cd they couldn't find the original sound effects oh, wow. so anything after the vinyl is all new Weird. i mean they're all very great recreations sure. of the old things but the vinyl has wow. the original sound effects that they weren't able to find when they went to go put it on That's in another format crazy i didn't know that yeah wow it's kind of a fun uh so if you want the original, the pure, yeah, it's yeah. this. But I mean, they, as I said, they recreate. They found, oh, we use this sound effects. Okay, we put that in there. But, yeah, um, yeah. So if you also want to learn about the origins of uh, meta comedy, I feel like this is a real good place to look too. You know, uh, just very self-referential in a way that's still really brilliant. Um, okay, so what do you have to promote? And where can people find you online? Uh, well, you can go online. You can uh, go to mrgrant.com. Mm-hmm. That's M R G R A N T. Dot com mm-hmm. and um, uh, I do comedy songs as well. So if you if you look up uh, throwing toasters mm-hmm. on uh, iTunes or your favorite Spotify or whatever, uh, you can hear some of my um, attempts <laughs> at, uh, at at funny music. Or if you look up Dr. Floyd, if you if you're yeah. interested in that way, look up the Radio Adventures of Dr. Floyd because uh, and you can find that on it's free at drfloyd.com. That's D O C T O R F L O Y D. But also. Uh, that's all on Spotify awesome. and everything, so you can listen to it all through there. And um, yeah, as far as uh, as puppet stuff, if you find out that the Jim Henson Company's Puppet Up Uncensored is coming through town, go see that because mm-hmm. there's a chance I might be in it. Awesome. So um, yeah, so there you go. So good. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Uh, thanks for allowing me to invite myself <laughs> onto the show. I was like, hey, I want to be on your show. No, thank you. Seriously, I, I love when people do that. That's uh, this was a ton of fun, and I again, I I was looking for another excuse to talk about Stan Freeberg. So anytime, yeah, I will always talk about Stan Freeberg. Good. And at some point, we'll, we will revisit history of the world, the United States, sorry, history, uh, history of the world. Of the world. <laughs> oh, if only, <laughs> if only, right? Yeah, someday we will revisit that. Um, I haven't, but I don't know when this is coming out but uh check out stand-up records channel on roku because there are select episodes of comedy on vinyl that you can listen to i'd say watch but there's literally no video to those uh you should go check out our our one video episode with phil proctor of Firesign theater though that was a lot of fun that's on youtube uh slash comedy on vinyl um and then check out looking forward uh which is my sequel to my other doc my fake documentary called looking forward uh, that's going to be coming out, rolling out throughout the rest of the year, starting in March, which is probably when this is going to come out. 
yeah, I don't know. Oh, please just just give us a review on iTunes. We could really use them. Five stars, please. That would be great. Um, well, again, thank you for being here uh, in your own office. Thank you. Thank you guys for Thanks listening. For and as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com.